Like what you hear, but not yet an AEI premium member? Go to aei.ag premium to sign up for the free trial today. Welcome. Thanks, everyone, for joining this week. It's David and Brent is joining me, I guess, September Fools or something. I got everyone confused last week. I said Brent would be starting Harvest, but not quite yet. So he's here for another week or so and looking forward to that. So Brent, uh, it's about a week old now, but let's talk a little bit about that September WASD report. For those of you who are watching the video of this, we'll talk you through that if you're listening. But I guess it was one of those reports where the balance sheet got bigger, the ending stocks grew, but the market went higher. And so it wasn't, I guess, as bearish as the market had expected, or it was sort of, you know, they can move past this report and start looking down the road a little bit. It was fairly uneventful. You know, if you remember going into this, I think it's always useful might ask why we're looking at this now after it's been a while since this was released one i think it's just useful to step back and get out of the heat of the moment because these things tend to get people really worked up and then you get you know your 20 minutes of trading response and everybody kind of forgets about it so i think sometimes it's worthwhile just to come back and take a look at it. remember there was a lot of discussion about the planet acre number increasing and we had the early release of the FSA data got people a little bit up in arms and then everybody trying to speculate as to what that meant. But at the end of the day, you know, we're looking at, I think, pretty large planted area as well as probably, you know, fairly good yields. So a little bit below trend, but, you know, I don't think the crop is going to somehow get a lot smaller and probably not going to get a lot bigger. It could change and you know we'll have that data to help you walk through what those possibilities are at the end of the day we're sitting here at an ending stocks to use ratio of about nine and a half percent so we're still in the single digits i think that bodes well for you know for prices to be in that five dollar range a couple of things that i'll point out is so the, the total supply increased here uh, month over month from 15.9 billion bushels to 16.2. But we also saw the total use creep up a little bit from 14.65 billion bushels to 14.8 billion. So you see this relationship where the crop got bigger, but we also increased usage a little bit or the USDA increased usage. Another thing I want to point out is they've changed the price outlook just a little bit. They've lowered it from 575 for a market year average price for, you know, that's a, a pretty broad number. So it's sort of the average price that all producers across the country are going to see. So you're going to see something very different for your individual market or your individual prices, but it's a helpful metric to think about how it plays out over multiple years. It's still a positive or still a good, strong number uh, at five. 45, but it, it has come down a little bit. So I think they're reflective of this building stock situation. So we got to keep that in mind as we think about this marketing year, but also start looking ahead to the 2022 planting of corn and soybeans. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. That 575 would be one of the higher market or average prices we would have seen, probably the third or fourth highest yeah. uh, in recent times. So 
you know, that was a really attractive price forecast, but you know, 545 is uh, not so bad either. So we did those contribution margin numbers. I've looked at these a lot and, you know, the contribution margin that's available to farmers in the United States this year on the corn side is large. You're seeing that reflected, I think, in the countryside with farmer demand for everything from iron to land. Again, as we move through the growing season here, we can still see yields and acres harvested, acres planted adjust a little bit. But as you can see, this 10% spot is where we're sitting in the long run average stock to use ratio is closer to 13. So it's still probably going to be a tight stock situation. It's just a question of how tight. And that's where we're sort of zeroing in on. You know, a similar story has developed for soybeans. It's perhaps a little bit tighter overall. So uh, actually, acreage went down just a little bit. They took about 400,000 acres out, um, but they pushed the yields up six-tenths of a bushel to 50.6. They also adjusted beginning stocks. And so we saw soybean production increase just a little bit. We saw soybean usage increase as well. And the stocks to use climbed to 4.2%. And that's a little higher than where we've been been at 3.5% the last few months. And last year, of course, came in at 3.9%. So a little bit of a or less tight situation, a little more uh, stocks, but still, uh, historically speaking, a very tight situation. When you look at that, that number is tight in the context of history. And the average in soybeans is a little probably misleading. I mean, you go back in the height of the trade war, we were 10 20%. 20%. Almost 20 At one point, there was a projection of a 20% ending stocks use, which is off the charts flush. You know, now we're, we're down in that four range. And we get that small, we can change percentages quite a bit by increasing the yield or, or if it were to, to shrink, get really tight. To me, uh, the soybean situation is tighter than the corn situation. The counter to that is that there's a lot of soybeans that are getting ready to get planted in South America. You know, there's a big factory down there ready to start humming. And so we've got, that's kind of the countervailing to soybeans. So you just look at those numbers, you go, man, soybeans are, to me, are relatively more tight than corn. Uh, why aren't soybean prices higher? I think that's one of the, the reasons when we look at it is, you know, you've always got that threat of big, big production coming out of South America. So Brent, I want to switch gears here. In this transition, I'll remind folks of a story that I like to remember. When I was growing up in Kansas, you know, you get big droughts in the Great Plains. The local lake had lost a lot of water and it had fell to, you know, unbelievably low levels. And the narrative going through town is it's going to take years to get this lake filled back up. Well, a wet spring filled it up. It got filled up in just a matter of a few weeks or a couple months. And so everyone's like, wow, that changed quickly. And I think one of the takeaways from that story is, you know, when you're at extreme events, extreme events to the other direction can really change the narrative very, very quickly. And so this lake went from an extreme event of being extremely low to an extreme event of filling up really fast and being full again in a short period of time. And I think that's a good reminder of the trade war, right? We went from really big stocks on soybeans and the threat of it for corn. Now we've gone to really tight situations. The narrative that could start to come for this is, oh, it's going to take years to rebuild these stocks. Well, yes, on average, it might take years to see these stock situations resolved, but it could also take one extreme event to the other side to really move it quickly. So we got to keep that in mind is we can't get complacent. We can't say, oh, these stocks are tight. They're going to be tight 
next year as well and the year after that? Yes, it could happen, especially with average production and average consumption. But uh, it's those surprise events that can catch us off guard sometimes. Yeah, we tend to forecast from as if the current situation is going to kind of be with us. It seems like, you know, the only possible scenario at the time is kind of what's happening right now. And things just change faster than, than we often think they will. Speaking of, that brings us to the next good thing we want to talk about. Uh, we wrote a memo on what we're thinking about memo on farmland prices, you know, record farmland prices and, you know, what's driving it and is it sustainable? And, and you know, at the end of the day, when you look around the country, I think it's pretty clear that farmland markets are on a tear, especially in the Corn Belt. You know, prices are just really ripping higher. And we've documented multiple times, you know, what's driving that. Right now, it's a couple of things, really good earnings, as well as really, really low discount rates or opportunity costs or interest rates, however you want to think about it. It's really pushed land values way, way up. So we, we did just a little bit of thinking about, well, does it make sense and how long might it last? I think it's a really good article for folks to think about and read a little bit. You know, it's one of those articles where we don't share uh, any charts or any data, but we're going to help frame this up so you can really think about it and help make sense of it as you move forward. So this was <clears throat> this was a fun one to put together. One of the things that I think is most true, and and it leads back to that discussion that we we're just having about, you know, well, the lake will never fill up again, or things will never change, or it's just the way it's going to be. And right now, we know what the situation is. And the situation is that farming is really profitable. Uh, we had really strong government program payments last year. We've got really strong commodity prices this year on top of a really low cost structure. So you've got contribution margins at levels that we haven't seen for a long time, among the highest that probably we've ever seen. So that's today. And then the other today thing is interest rates are really, really low. You know, the 10-year treasury is off its lows. I think it got to as low as like 0.5, a little under 0.5%. Uh, maybe, it was, maybe it was just 0. 0.54. 0.54. Today at 1.3. Well, that, that's still super, super low. And there'll be another one coming out about discount rates. But when you get these discount rates down really low, uh, it has the effect of, you know, really jacking prices up for fixed assets and particularly fixed assets with long lives like farmland. In farmland, you can think of it as a really long duration bond. And, and when interest rates fall on those bonds, really changes the prices. And so that's what we've got. But that's not the question for farmland. The question is, what's it going to be in the future? What's the situation going to be in the future? Uh, not what it is today. So I guess the question people have to ask themselves is, do you think that this is a scenario that's going to play out for a multiple number of years? Or do you think we get something that looks a little bit more like it looked the last you know, five years before the pandemic, which you know, was, was not real good? That's kind of the crux of it in my mind. What do you really think? Right now, I think people are betting that it looks more like today than that it looked like four or five years ago. That's up to everybody to decide for themselves. But you know, if you're buying 
land or are interested in buying land at these prices, we have to really think through, you know, what's the information we have today and let's make the best decision on things we can control. Not to say land's a good investment or a bad investment. It's just the pricing matters. That's I just trying to encourage people to think that through. I like to reiterate what you just said about it. We're not trying to convince you one way or the other. It's just helping you frame up that situation. And one of the things that we thought about as we were writing this is if you think the farm economy is going to get better or stay as good as it is for a long period of time, or if you think interest rates are going to go down uh, substantially in the future, that's sort of a speculation. That's sort of a bet, right? So we have to untangle what is the situation today and what's sort of a realistic base. And then how much am I sort of speculating on how things might change in the future as I start to think about what, what might play out over the next few years. The other thing that I'd add is It's interesting because sometimes when someone outbids us, whether they're renting the farmland or they're buying the farmland, our minds like to say, oh man, they must be a quote unquote better farmer, right? They must have a better cost structure or a finance structure. And I guess in in many cases, it's actually, they're the ones who's willing to take the lowest rate of return. Either they're going to cash rent this and they're going to pay more. So that way their returns are going to be a little less than what you were willing to accept, or they're going to buy the farmland and they're going to accept the lower rate of return on that asset for multiple, multiple years, tens and tens of years, generations potentially. So we always have to think about sometimes the psychology of getting outbid is very, very hard to overcome or hard to think around. It's It can be challenging for us to, to wait through that. So we got to make sure we have the right frameworks when we think about what it means when somebody bids more than us and consider all the implications of that. It just reminds me, I mean, this environment reminds me a lot. We talk about this in the memo. It just reminds me of the last time land prices were screaming higher. It didn't end that badly that time. I don't know that it's going to end badly this time. It's just they're, I think, approaching what I would consider to be fully valued in some cases. And uh, the thing that I I have the hardest time thinking about right now, personally, is the interest rate deal. You know, these low interest rates are just really, I don't want to say distorting, but they're pushing markets to their extremes. If you think about it, you get down to like a 2% multiple. I mean, your, your cap rate, you're valuing that income coming in, you know, 10, 20 years out much more highly than you would at say a 5% discount rate. There's no rule that says that that has to go up. Uh, it could stay low. I mean, real rates return could stay really, really low for a long period of time. And that's, that's, I think the thing that's the hardest one to sort out in my mind is just, you know, how long does that, does this environment last on the interest rate side? Cause that's where I think the biggest risk is. I think on the crop income side, it's unlikely. I think that farming is going to be quite as profitable as it will be in 2021 for a long period. I mean, 2021 is set up to be an exceptionally good year. So you would think we could expect a little bit of a reversion there, but with those cap rates, that's the one, you know, if they stay that low, then you know it's pretty, it'll probably be fine. We'll wrap it up here for today. I wanted to share that we, we got a lot of articles that we're working on. Brent, there's this article, there's a few articles circulating about diesel versus donuts and this talk about soybean oil. We got a great article coming out next week on that. Also starting to think about winter wheat planting. So Brent, uh, any winter wheat planting going on in your part of the state or? Uh, um, the, it is getting planted right now. I, I don't have any this year. I uh, kind of wish I did, but I don't. 
but yeah, it's happening right now. Uh, got a little bit of moisture, so it's going to get off to a decent start. I always think wheat is the most important, one of the most important elements of the corn versus soybean debate that we always have in acreage. And so we have to watch wheat first, wheat bats first. If we want to see a big increase in corn and soybean acres, we're probably going to need to see a decrease in wheat. And I think that was part of the 2021 story is winter wheat actually added acres last year. They got the signals uh, to plant wheat about now before corn and soybeans got really strong. So we're going to keep an eye on that for you. But in the meantime, stay curious. Thanks.